You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 78. Let's all stand. We'll have a chance to stand before uh, we get into the message here and in honor of God's Word. I'll begin reading in verse number 1 and going to verse number 8. If you'll follow along with me, the Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Verse number four, we will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers a stubborn, and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we look at this passage of Scripture and um, others tonight, and uh, this thought around this ten-letter word, the word generation. God, there is a generation that we can look at tonight, and I pray that you'd help us to comprehend your word, not only understand it, but then apply it to our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. That word generation repeated four times in the short passage that we read. And uh, we're going to focus on that word tonight. The, the title of the message is, There is a Generation. Now a generation, just to set the ground here, is a people of the same period or living at the same time. It can also be described as the average period generally considered to be about 20 to 30 years during which children are born and grow up, become adults, and begin to have children. And so we have uh, some demographers, uh, those that uh, study demographics, and uh, these demographers have uh, broken up uh, our, our generations into different generational categories. All the way back, and it goes further, but we'll just go back to World War II. We have the World War II generation, born from 1922 to 1927. And uh, right now, they'd be about 95 to 100 years old. We have the post-war generation from 1928 to 1945 would be their birth years. Then we have the baby boomers, the boomers. And, and uh, that was such a large uh, generation that they actually split that generation into two just because um, these two uh, different categories were uh, so different. In 1946 to 1954, you have the privilege of being labeled ba uh, the Baby Boomers 1, all right? And then we have Baby Boomers 2, which is from 1955 to 1964. And uh, I think we have a few Baby Boomers in uh, the church tonight. And then we have, right after that, Generation X. Generation X would be 1965 to 1980, and uh, those ages there would roughly be 42 to 57. You'd fall into the Generation X category. And then the wonderful generation that comes next, 
And that is birth years of 1981 to 1996. And that is my generation, the millennials. Oh, we have quite the reputation. And so we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. The generation that comes after our millennial generation would be Generation Z. And those uh, born 1997 to 2012. And uh, those ages span from 10 years old to 25. And so that's where our youth group is at right now. Generation Z. Now, I'm just going to talk a little bit in, in uh, introduction tonight about the 1990s, my generation. What a wonderful decade, 1990s. I mean, there's, there's some great things that happened in the 1990s, and there's some not so amazing things that happened in the 1990s. For example, just, just to go back down history lane, and, and I apologize for those that are in the room tonight that... Uh, weren't born in the 1990s, and, and uh, you were born in the, the, the new millennium. And uh, so you might not be able to uh, relate to some of these here. But uh, who remembers the Rugrats? The Rugrats came out, cartoon, came out in the 1990s. Uh, invented in 1998. What about uh, the Furby? Does anybody remember the Furby? Good night. That thing, I don't think it had an off switch, to be honest. I remember having one of those in the house. And uh, late at night, I, that thing was demon-possessed or something. But it, it let out the most creepy noise. And uh, those Furbies were something else. I, I, don't, I, I remember looking, and I don't think there was an off switch. I, they just created it that way, probably as a prank. And everybody had to buy it. And uh, everyone got one for Christmas and later regretted it. Then we have, in 1997, the Tamagotchi or Tamaguchi pets. Anybody remember that little digital pet? Uh, you'd have it on your keychain and... Uh, Maybe uh, parents, you bought it for your children, or maybe you had one because you thought it was cool too, uh, but you would take care of this digital pet, and then you get so frustrated. I didn't have one. My sister had one. She'd get so frustrated because she'd go to school, and uh, in between her school day and, and getting her keychain back after, after the school day, her pet had died because she didn't feed it, right? So uh, just amazing, amazing inventions. I think they're still around today, but originally 1997. Uh, my favorite movie came out. In 1994, I was two years old, the movie The Lion King. <sighs> amazing, amazing movie and some other Disney classics, but uh, I remember still to this day, and I think I've shared it with you before, but I remember as uh, I was probably four or five at the time, I, I remember lying on the ground so still because in my mind I was replaying that, that scene, and it, it, was, it was horrifying to me to think that Mufasa would die such a horrific death. And uh, Mufasa was there laying dead in, in, in the movie. And I just remember trying to be like Mufasa laying dead uh, in my living room. And then, of course, my, my mom comes in the room and she says, Nathan, what are you doing? And I didn't respond. You know why? Because I was playing Mufasa. And, uh, and she said, Nathan, what are you doing? And I still, I didn't want to respond because I wanted to keep the part. And then she said, Nathan, what are you doing? And I looked back so frustrated at my mom and I said, Mom... I'm pretending to be Mufasa. Don't you get it? So Lion King, 1994. 1993, we have the Beanie Babies. The Beanie Babies came out, and uh, for sure, we thought that uh, those things, and maybe they are, uh, maybe it's not a scam, but I thought that, uh, that that was something that you would get just a ton of money for if you had the original Beanie Baby with the tag still on it and uh, maybe sell it on eBay. and see. Does anybody still have some original Beanie Babies? I'm just curious. 
All right. Well, look into it for me and let me know. Uh, make, make some money off of those. You probably don't want to just because you're so attached to them. Uh, but Beanie Babies. Google came out in 1998. Uh, Google came out, and uh, with that Internet era, we had wonderful high speeds called the dial-up Internet. The dial-up Internet. What a wonderful time that was. Pagers were out. I remember my dad having a pager. Uh, the Super Nintendo came out in the 1990s. The Game Boy Color came out. That was big. It wasn't black and white anymore. It was in color. Uh, uh, Game Boy. How about the, the Discman or, or the, the Walkman that uh, you could play your, your compact disc on it and you could t- go for a jog or go for a walk and it claimed, it claimed to have anti-skip protection and that was a name only because it did not work whatsoever. I remember having one of those, even in the car. I would have my, my headphones on, and I was listening to the CD with my, uh, my CD player, and every little bump, it, it skipped. So I don't know how they, they were able to falsely advertise like that, but they did. Uh, lip Smacker Lip Balm, where you could actually taste the flavors, and I think they're still around, but came out in the 1990s. I remember as a child circling in the JCPenney catalog what toy I wanted for Christmas. And maybe you still have the catalogs and maybe you still do that, but most uh, things are online now. But uh, the nostalgia is strong there. Uh, Circling what you wanted for Christmas in a catalog. And then you can't forget everybody gearing up for Y2K. What a wonderful time. The grocery shelves were empty. The toilet paper was nowhere to be found. Kind of sounds like a few years ago, to be honest. But uh, that was Y2K, and obviously uh, nothing happened, and we're still here today. But uh, that was my generation, the millennial generation. I'd like to look at this passage tonight in Psalm 78, because there's some things that we can learn, and and it's not something that we've not heard before, but I think it's a a very important truth that bears uh, remembering and reminding tonight. Number one, if you're taking notes, I'd like to look at Number one, the duty of the older generation. The duty of the older generation. Now, this psalm is a maskil of Asaph. Asaph wrote this psalm. Maskil means instruction or instructing. And so we have a psalm of instruction. He's instructing the people of God. What is he instructing them to do? Well, the Bible says that it's to show the generation to come. We find the praises of the Lord. His strength. We find in verse 4. And his wonderful works that he hath done. Remember, this is the generation. They're looking back and and remembering all the things that that God did, bringing them out of Egypt. All the wonderful miracles uh, that God did after they were out of Egypt. uh, Crossing the Red Sea and uh, eating manna, uh, angel food. It, It was just amazing what God did in those generations. And Asaph is instructing them, hey... We've got to show the generation to come the praises of the Lord, his strength, his wonderful works that he hath done. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. So what is the result? If the older generation has a duty to tell the younger generation all the great things that God has done for us, what is the result of that? Well, it says here, as we continue to look, it says uh, in verse Number six, that the generation to come might know them, even the children that should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God. That's the result, having a hope found in God. That's a good thing. And not forget 
the works of God. Hey, if you don't want to forget God, you've got to repeat what he has done for, for you to the next generation. That's good. That's our duty. And as a result, they won't forget the works of God. But keep his commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The duty of the older generation is to pass the baton. It's to take what God has done for us, who he is and how personal he is, and to tell the next generation, hey, God is the one you need to follow. God is amazing. He's done so many wonderful works, and his strength is, is, is incomparable to anybody else or anything else. And God is so amazing, and I want you to know, younger generation, that God is worth serving. But the problem is, many of the older generation, and we find here in Psalm 78 that that generation was a generation that forgot. They forgot God's work. And unfortunately, the duty was, was dropped. But let's look here. It's amazing to note the successive generations of the children of Israel in the Old Testament. So let's take our Bibles just quickly tonight. Let's take our Bibles to Exodus chapter 1. And let's look, look together at verse number 6. Now this is the children of Israel. Joseph is just now leaving the scene. Now, who was Joseph? Joseph was the one, man, who, who was able to save not just Egypt, but all the nations around Egypt as God used him to decipher uh, Pharaoh's dream, and, and they were able to prepare for the coming famine, and therefore they were to, uh, able to save uh, much people. But then the Bible says in Exodus chapter 1, in verse number 6, and Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation... And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Now I understand that the Egyptians were not God's people, but yet the Egyptians and, and the old Pharaoh forgot to tell the new Pharaoh, hey, Remember Joseph, because Joseph was the one that saved us. Joseph was the one who, who was uh, able to store up all that food and, and save much people alive. Remember Joseph. But somehow, somewhere, they forgot Joseph. This new Pharaoh comes on the scene, and then these, these people who are multiplying, and they're being blessed and being fruitful, become a thorn in Pharaoh's side, and that's when he puts them to slavery to have them work for him. The new Pharaoh didn't hear about the stories of Joseph because this new king didn't know the history. He didn't have the respect for the children of Israel. How quickly things changed, just one generation removed. Let's look a little further. Uh, Moses here in Numbers 32, if you take your Bibles there quickly tonight. Numbers 32. And starting in verse number 11, Numbers 32, verse number 11, the Bible says, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Now this is when the, the 12 spies went out, the 10 were bad and the 2 were good, and, uh, and because the people listened to the 10 negative reports, they refused to go into the promised land that God had given them. But the Bible says, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was consumed. The same generation that saw God's mighty acts in Egypt, 
how God brought them out of Egypt miraculously, brought them through the Red Sea, provided every need for them. Man, their shoes didn't get old. Their clothes didn't get old. They had food. It's amazing what God did, but yet they still were not willing to trust God and have faith that he would give them the promised land that he promised them. We find the next generation. We, we have Joshua as they go into the promised land. Judges chapter 2 and verse number 8. Judges chapter 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance. And Timnatheris in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers... And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. You see, Joshua's generation, the generation that was able to go into the promised land, the generation that was able to see God working as they were conquering the promised land, that generation died and they failed in their duty to pass on to the next generation what they needed to do in order to serve God and to please him and keep his commandments. They forgot. There arose a generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. We see, number one, the duty of the older generation. And even in the Old Testament, we find the example that the, the older generation failed in, in passing on the torch and passing on the baton and telling the next generation how good God is and how wonderful uh, how wonderful he was to that generation. Now, number two, uh, write it down. Number two, we, we see the departure of the next generation. Consequently, the duty is not performed. And therefore, we find the next generation is departed. The departure of the next generation. Proverb 30, let's turn there uh, tonight. Proverb 30, we find the phrase of which we get the title tonight, there is a generation. There is a generation. In Proverb 30... Starting in verse number 11, the Bible says, There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Reading that passage, I, I can't help but think that's, that's the generation we're living in. Is it not? What, what is missing in this generation? Well, in verse number 11, we find what's missing is honor. Man, they, they're, they're not honoring. That means a high respect or highly esteem. They're not honoring their parents. Man, they're not honoring the authorities that, that are in their life. That, that's all the way uh, going to the civil level, level as well. Law enforcement, uh, teachers, uh, pastors, parents. They're not respecting and they're not honoring those that they should honor. The, the second thing there in verse 12, we find that this generation is lacking a purity. A purity. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not washed from their filthiness. What is that? That's a refusal of acknowledging sin as sin. That's, that's the whole age of grace that, 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 that we have created for ourselves, thinking, oh, God has saved us, and now, hey, we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. And so no matter how many times we mess up, no matter what we do in our life, we don't have to change our lifestyle. Why? Because, well, God's grace covers it. 
man, we, we, can, we can just continue to live the way that we want to live because God's grace can extend to that as well. And so we get in our minds so comfortable thinking, hey, we don't have to change anything. As a matter of fact, the only thing that maybe we should change is the Bible. Let's just change the Bible so it conforms to our lifestyle and our preferences and so that we can live a comfortable life doing what we want and we'll just, we'll just know that God's grace is covering it. Well, do you know that the Apostle Paul, he came uh, to that same problem as well. The people were thinking, hey, they're, they're taking God's grace for granted. They're taking God's favor for granted. And so the Apostle Paul reminds them in Romans 6, 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And what is Paul's answer? God forbid. God forbid that we should abuse the grace of God. Now, when we get saved, we ought to have that desire to please our Heavenly Father. We ought to have the desire to be conformed to the image of His Son, not to bring God down on our level, not to conform God to our, our image, but yet we ought to be having the mind of Christ and, and experiencing uh, that separation from the world that the Bible so clearly talks about. That's purity. The generation that we live in is lacking that. We, we need to remind this generation that the Bible still calls sin, sin. Hey, Jesus is not a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Hey, God has not changed. He's still holy. He's still just. He's still merciful. He's still loving. God has not changed, and there is still victory in Jesus. And that is what we should apply to our life and apply to this generation. We find in verse 13 what's missing. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. Well, that's a little dose of humility. The generation that we live in is lacking humility. Humility is the freedom from pride and arrogance. It's not thinking of yourself. This generation we've talked about is proud of their sin. And they don't call sin, sin, and they're actually proud of the sin that they're committing. Not only are they proud of it, but they're celebrating it. That's the generation that we live in. As Satan aspired to take the place of God, this generation has made themselves God's. It's humanism. We're missing humility in this generation. In verse 14, we find there is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives. You know what we're missing in this generation is mercy. Mercy. Vengeance and violence has defined this generation. I'm sure you've heard of the, the phrase cancel culture. Hey, if it doesn't match society's mold that we have have created, and, and if, if we think that it somehow offends a certain people or a certain group or a certain ideology, therefore we should just cancel it. We should wipe it out because it's not fitting in with our definition of what society is all about. If you have a different opinion than us, we will attack you until you change your opinion is what we're experiencing today. It's reminding me of the days of Noah, just violence covering the face of the earth. And what's sad about this generation is this generation truly is departing from God. This generation is truly departing from the church. I read uh, just the other day a Gallup poll. Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, only 47 percent of Americans said they belonged to a church, a synagogue, or a mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. Over the past two decades, the percentage of Americans who do not identify with any religion has grown from 8% in 1998 to 2000 
to 13% in 2008 to 2010, and now, over the past three years, up to 21% who do not identify with any religion. We are seeing a very clear departure of this generation from religion. And so what do we do about it? Our final point tonight is this, the difference in the chosen generation. We find that phrase, if you turn there, and, and we'll be done after this point, but 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Would you turn there with me? Last, last time we turn, I promise. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous, uh, marvelous light. I love this verse. What an amazing verse this is. What is Peter telling us here? He's saying, hey, you, the saved. Those who weren't Jews, those who didn't have any hope of heaven, yet God's grace extended to you and, and you are partakers of God's salvation and therefore you are become, you have become a chosen generation. God has chosen you. God has chosen us. If you're saved tonight, you're a part of that chosen generation. I understand that the older generation has made mistakes and we've failed to pass on to the next generation uh, what, what God is all about and how amazing God is. And we have also seen the, the next generation departing from the faith. But yet we have to understand tonight, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. We as God's people are a chosen generation. We're a chosen generation. The Bible says a, a royal priesthood. What does that mean? You know what that means? It means that we're royal because God is our father. And the priesthood, that's, that's the priesthood of the believer. What does that mean? It means that we no longer have to go to a priest uh, to confess our sin and to worship God and to sacrifice to God. We ourselves have become priests. We are the priesthood of the believer, meaning we can go directly to God. We can go directly to his throne. We can talk to him and, and we, can, we can go directly. How, however many times a day we want to, we have access to God. That is the priesthood of the believer. We are a royal priesthood. We have access to God. What a wonderful thing. We are a holy nation. Holy means separated. Uh, for God, it's pure, devoted to God. We are a holy nation. Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We also find the description here of peculiar people. And that's not strange people. <laughs> that is, we are a peculiar, we are unique, we are special, we are distinct, we are different. We're a, we're a chosen generation there ought to be a difference between us and the world. There ought to be a difference between the child of God and the child of the devil. We, we have a difference here in Leviticus 10.10. 10. It says, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between unclean and clean. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? 1 John 2.15 tells us clearly, Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world, and if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What a privilege it is to be a part of a chosen generation. But our task is not easy. We are tasked, the chosen generation, we are tasked with, with telling the next generation and sharing with the next generation what God has done for us. It's not going to be easy. 2 Timothy 2, 
It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's, that's called passing on to the next generation. Thou therefore, very next verse, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There is going to be, there is going to be some struggles. There is going to be a challenge as we try to strive to save the next generation and to tell the next generation how wonderful God is. But I don't know about you, but I'm going to determine as the chosen generation, I'm going to have a love for God. I'm going to have a love for my family. The family has, has been long forgotten in this generation. I'm going to have a love for church. I love church. I don't know about you. I, I love going to church all day long. And if you, did, if you don't, I don't know why you're here tonight because you've been in church all day long. I love church. I love the King James Bible. I love soul winning. I love uh, the ministries that God has allowed us to have in this church. And I love serving. And let's pass that on to the next generation. I want to close with this. And this is really the message tonight. So don't miss it. This is the message. Yes, it's our duty to teach the next generation. But how can we teach the next generation until we have acknowledged and we have experienced God for ourselves? If we have not experienced what it is, what it is to be the chosen generation, then how are we going to be motivated and how are we going to be able to tell the next generation? For example, I have tonight, and, and this is probably the only way I can sneak snacks into church is when I'm preaching, but I have uh, some ranch Doritos. I, I don't know about anybody else, but uh, I put ranch on everything, uh, all, all my food. Uh, my children have, uh, I passed it on to the next generation. My children uh, put ranch on everything. And uh, you know what goes really good with ranch Doritos? Ranch. <laughs> yeah, dip it in ranch. And uh, so for, for, for sake of illustration here, let's just say that somebody told me, the older generation, somebody told me, hey, you need to try Cool Ranch Doritos. They're amazing. They, they may just knock your socks off. I mean, they're, they're life-changing. And so you need to try it. And I, I tell that individual, I say, okay, well, thank you. That's, that's very, very kind of you to offer that to me. And then I, I don't try it. Now, if I've never tried it, somebody's told me it's good, but I've never tried it myself. Am I really that obligated to go and tell somebody else how amazing Cool Ranch Doritos are? No, not at all. See, I'm not, I'm not able to tell somebody else about how amazing Cool Ranch Doritos are until I've tried it myself. So if you don't mind, I, this is terrible, isn't it? I'm not just talking about food tonight. I'm actually eating food in front of you. And uh, it's 7.05. Who hasn't had dinner tonight? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, Miss Grace... I saw your hand, and so I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna try one if uh, if you don't mind. Well, that's kind of big. I might, might not be able to finish that in a few seconds here. Let's see here. All right. Wow. Mind blown. This is amazing. Who likes Cool Ranch Doritos? Wow. Man, the the flavor is bold. It's it's good. As a matter of fact, this is so good that I think that I might want to just share this with my wife. I mean, this is good. I, I think I want to tell her about it. So, Miss Grace, the, these Cool Ranch Doritos are, these are amazing. And I'm not, I'm not just telling you, because I, I, I've heard other people tell me it's amazing. And, you know, I, I kind of took their word for it, but I, I really didn't know. But then I tried it. And let me tell you, these are amazing. They're worth trying. Would you, would you mind trying it for me? Okay. 
There you go. All right. There we go. There we go. So what, what happened there? I didn't know how amazing these Doritos were until I tried it myself. And the secret to the chosen generation is this. We're not going to be able to successfully pass on to the next generation and tell the next generation how amazing God is and what God can do for them until we've experienced God for ourselves. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Hey, God isn't a God of the past. It isn't just a God of the past. God is a God of the present. God didn't just work at Victory Baptist Church 10, 20, 30 years ago, but God is working at Victory Baptist Church today. God is working in our midst, and all we have to do is just open our eyes and, and, and get on our feet and, our, and participate and experience firsthand how amazing God is. And that's the amazing thing about being the chosen generation we are the chosen generation that can experience God firsthand. We can see God's salvation. We can, we can know what it is to be saved. We can know what it is to have the joy of the Lord. And not only that, because we've experienced it ourselves, we can tell the world how amazing God is and how they need Jesus too. Were those chips good? Okay, see? It's amazing. God didn't just work in the past. He is working in the present. The Bible uses the phrase from generation to generation. Do you know what lasts from generation to generation? The Bible says here in Lamentations 5.19, Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Will last forever? God does. His throne lasts forever. What does that mean? Well, he's still on the throne, so what could be wrong? He's still on the throne. He's in control. God and his throne last from generation to generation. His kingdom, his dominion, his power last from generation to generation. Daniel 4.3 says, How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. You know who said that? That was King Nebuchadnezzar. That was the wicked king that God had to humble, and now he is singing God's praises. He's telling his generation, hey, I've experienced God for myself, and now I know that his dominion is from generation to generation. I'm so thankful that God is still on the throne, and he's still in control. Luke 1.50, we have God's mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. It's of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I close with this question tonight. Do you identify with Christ? See, our, our, our identity is not in what society defines for us. Our identity is not older generation, new, uh, next generation. It doesn't matter what the world has to say, but our identity, we find who we are in Christ so do you identify with Christ? Do you identify with the chosen generation? Very simply put, is God personal to you? Is God personal? Have you experienced God personally worked in your life? And if God has personally worked in your life, salvation, blessings, mercies new every, every day, God is, is continually working. So if God is personal to you, what is keeping us from sharing how good God is to the next generation. That's our goal. That's the message tonight. Make it personal and tell somebody. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. 
led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.